0: Hey good morning. So about 25 years ago I bought this little box. It was kind of a plastic box maybe the size of a matchbox or maybe size of a brick about that size and I put it on my desk and it came with two phone cords and I took one phone cord and I plugged it into the little box and then I ran it down to the phone line coming into the house, phone jack, and I took the other line and I plugged it into the back of my Apple Macintosh computer that had two floppy disk drives in it. And then I took out this little disk that I'd bought that said AOL, one month free, and I stuck it in the computer, and then up on the screen popped a phone keypad, and I dialed some numbers with my mouse on the phone keypad, and I heard this that's a, that's a modem, old-fashioned. Sound If you couldn't figure that out. Yeah, it sounded a lot like that. There we go. Sound just like that, actually. So I had connected to the, okay, that's enough.) <laughs> so I connected to the Internet for the first time in my life, and I had a 2,400 bits per second modem that connected my computer through the internet, to the World Wide Web out there, right? And then eventually, I got a 9600 modem, and then they called the next generation was a 1440, and eventually, I got all the way up to a 56K modem, right? And if you're not familiar with that, because you're a little bit younger, like a 56K modem is, was super fast at the time, but is slow now. Like, if you watched, like, one episode of How I Met Your Mother on that, it would take you, like... 6 days to watch it right it was it was slow by today's standards but here's the thing is if you think about the internet you know we you know we have a modem and then we have you know your your phone or your computer we've all these things your tablet connects to the internet and it gives you access to all this pretty amazing stuff out there Like, we get our news that way. We get a lot of our entertainment that way. We do a lot of our communication that way. We do our banking and finances that way. It's all connected through the Internet. And so now, because we have this access to the Internet, one of the biggest frustrations that we face in life, isn't it, is when I can't get connected to the Internet. Like, it just drives us crazy. Like, we can't figure out what's going on. And so, you know, when we can't get to the Internet, easy for me not to say when we can't get connected to the internet, what do we do? Like if, you can't, if you're doing a research project on Sub-Saharan Africa, do you open up your Encyclopedia Britannica? No. <laughs> right? Or let's say you want to know the weather for tomorrow, but you can't get on a weather.com website, so you open up the Farmer's Almanac? No. You want to buy tickets to a 21 Pilots concert in Cincinnati, you can't get on, so you drive to Cincinnati? No. Or you want to write a, an email to somebody? Right? So you take out a pen and a paper and you write it down, and you put it in an envelope, you lick it. Anybody do that? No. Right? So what do we do when we can't connect to the internet? We try and fix the problem, don't we? We analyze it. We're like, okay, well, is this connected? Is that connected? Is the internet out? Is my cell not working? Do I have the phone settings right? Do I have the computer settings right? And we try and figure all this out so that we can get connected to the internet. Now, I share that as a long analogy to say this. This series, Reconnect, is a lot like that because in the same way that the internet holds all this information and access and data and all that stuff that we want to get access to, God is the same way but way more and way better because when we are connected to God, then we have purpose. When we're connected to God, then we have joy. When we're connected to God, then we have significance, meaning, and understanding, and all of the stuff in our lives. But if the connection between us and God breaks or fizzles, then we miss out on all that God has for us. And so in this series we've been talking about, we're saying, this series is for those who want to reconnect with God. Maybe you've been apart from God, running from God for a while, and this is a time to reconnect. For some of you, this is the time to connect for the first time. For the first time in your life, you are connecting with God through prayer and through these other things and seeking his character. But I think there's also a lot of us in this room, that when it comes to connecting with God, that maybe you're stuck with a 56K modem or a 1440 modem. That your relationship with God hasn't gotten any better, hasn't gotten any stronger for a long time, and you're stuck. And so this series is to help open up some pathways for you to connect with God in a better and better way, so you can be as close to God as possible. And so in the first week, we talked about how we have this connection with God, but the connection that we have with God is directly proportional to understanding the character that God has. If we understand who God is, if we understand that, then we're going to want to be as close to him as possible. But if we have misunderstandings or misrepresentations or an errant view of God, then we're not going to want to pursue him. So the first step is to figure out who is God. So we talked about that in the first week of the series. I encourage you, if you missed that, to pick that up online and listen to it. We also have, we brought back some, with some bookmarks. 40 truths about God. You can pick those up on the silver tables as you leave. But those are designed to help you see God and who his character is. And last week, we talked about prayer, and Dylan talked about the importance of finding a rhythm in prayer, and that when we find a rhythm in prayer, that will give us what we need to connect with God. And the rhythm that we find is that we talk to God, we listen to God, and then we respond. We talk to God, we listen to God, and then we respond, and that creates a rhythm of prayer in our lives. Let me give you the bottom line for what we're talking about this week with the title of people. It's very simple. If we're going to connect with God, we need to be connected with people. If we are going to connect with God as close as we possibly can be to God, then we absolutely need and have to have other people in our lives to help move us in that direction, There's an African proverb um, that I love. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, then just go alone. But if you want to go far, then go together. And that's what we're talking about. We want to go far, far with our walk with God, getting as close as possible. And so what that means is we want to be in community with other people. We want to be in a group of people where they encourage us and we encourage them. We want to be in a group of people where we share our lives with them and they share our li- their lives with us. We want to be in community. At Rivers, we call them ridge groups. We want to have this type of community in our lives because that will help us to connect with God even more than we already do. But here's the thing is I recognize as we talk about community that sometimes there's some fears about that. You know, that maybe you were a part of a group at one point and you just felt rejected or you felt hurt and you're like, I don't know if I want to put myself out there again. Or maybe as you think about being a part of a community or being a part of a group, maybe for you it's like, you know, my relationship with God is my relationship with God. We talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, so I'm not sure that I want other people a part of it. And so we kind of push back on that. Or maybe you have a fear about, being a part of a group or connecting with people because you're afraid of if they see you for who you are. If you let people in, then you don't want people to see who you really are on the inside. We'd prefer to just let me put up this kind of glossy look of who I am instead of letting people know who I am. And those are real fears. And I experience those fears myself and anybody who's in a group experiences those as well. But yet, we can only go so far In our relationship with God, we can only get so close to God without other people coming alongside us and helping us to take those steps to get closer to God. And so what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at a passage in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're new to find your way around the Bible, if you open up right to the middle, you'll be in the book of Psalms probably, and then one to the right is the book of Proverbs, and then after that is the book of Ecclesiastes And if you don't like that method, you can always use the table of contents. So this is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we're going to look at this passage. It's about six or eight verses long. It says this, chapter 4, verse 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. So let me give you a kind of a 30,000 foot overview of the book of Ecclesiastes. Basically, uh, most people believe it was written by Solomon, and what Solomon did is he looked at all the different things in life, and he explored them fully. What if I have Tons and tons of money? What if I have tons and tons of power? What if I have tons and tons of success? And he looked at all these different things, and with every one of them, he came to the conclusion that life is meaningless. If that's going to be your pursuit in life, then the under end of that is meaningless. And so he looks at these two in this little passage we have as we start out. He's looking at two things. He's looking at wealth. He's saying, if I get wealth, if I get wealth, if I get wealth, all the wealth in the world, it's meaningless. And then he also says, it says it's not good for a man to be alone. There was a man who was all alone. He was missing out on life. And he was missing out on life for a couple reasons. One, because he didn't have people around him who could say, life is meaningless if you pursue wealth. But he also didn't have anybody to enjoy life with. And life is meant to be enjoyed in community, in relationship with other people. And so he ends, he says, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. So then the next few verses are the solution. It says this in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. So I lived this out, or I saw this in living flesh last Sunday afternoon. So after church last Sunday on Labor Day weekend, we went out to Summersville Lake, and we met some friends out there. And they have a pontoon boat. And so we got on the pontoon boat, and we went to this rock, and uh, this huge rock. And actually, here's a picture of this big rock. And so you can see uh, the girls up there. So they have some middle school girls uh, who were there, and then our family. And so they climbed up this rock. And this rock is like, it's the perfect height to jump off of because it's a little bit scary, but not like super dangerous, like I'm going to kill myself type of thing. And so they climb up the rock and then jump down and they climb up. I'm like, that looks like fun. I'm going to go see if I can get up this rock as well. And so I'm at the rock and I can't get up. I mean, I'm watching these middle school girls and they're climbing it like it's a ladder. I'm like, how in the world do you do that? And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm overweight. Maybe that's the problem. But in fact, I needed help. As a matter of fact, if you look closely, that's me down on the left there. You see that? Oh, thanks. Thanks, yes. That's my white pasty skin there with my tennis tan. So, so I'm, I'm there, and they're like, tell you what, we'll help you up. So their dad was in the water coaching. The girls were up above me coaching, and they said, okay, put your right foot here, right? It was below the water. And then see where your knee is? Put your left foot there and your right foot here, and each step of the way, they guided me about, no, don't put your left foot there, put your right foot there, and walked me all the way up to the very top of this rock, and then I got to the top, and I jumped down, and that was enough for me, and it was fun, (laughs) but you see, it was living out this verse, because it says two are better than one. They have a good return for their work. There is no way that I could have climbed that rock on my own but I could climb it because they went before me. They had probably climbed that thing a dozen times, two dozen times, maybe a hundred times, climbed up, jumped off. They knew how to climb that rock. And what we need is we need people who will go before us in life and say, this is how you climb this rock. This is how you achieve what you want to achieve in your life, what God wants you to achieve in your life. Put your right foot here. No, don't put your foot there, put it over here. And we need people who will go before us to do that. That's what Solomon is talking about here. Two are better than one. They can help each other out. And so it gives us a number of different things. Now, again, as we look at this passage, we have to understand that Solomon is writing this, and he has kind of a visual picture in mind. And the visual picture that Solomon has in mind is that of a journey, that there's Two people who go on a journey, it's better to go in a group or two than it is to go alone. And as he pictures this journey, I can't help but think about at River Ridge, one of the things that we say all the time is we exist to help people take next steps in their journey with God. That's what we want. No matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are in your journey with God, we want to help you to take the next step. And that's what's going on here is it's two people working together to take the next steps in their journey with God. So it says this in verse 10. It says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Now on this journey, no matter where they're going, there was always dangers of walking along. You may trip on a route. You may stumble over a rock. You may fall over a cliff. But most likely what was in view here was actually an animal trap. There were traps set to catch animals, but sometimes people, men or women who were traveling, would fall in the trap, and they couldn't get out of the trap on their own. Or they fell in the trap, and it would break their ankle or break their leg, and they were stuck there. And so what it was is at this time, you had to travel, or the encouragement here is to travel with somebody else. Everybody reading this that Solomon wrote would go, oh, of course so. Yeah, you have to travel with somebody else because if you break your leg, you can't call an Uber, right? You can't call on your cell phone to get somebody. You're stuck. You need somebody with you. It takes us to the first reason that we need other people is to encourage us. We need other people to encourage us because life is hard. You know, we want to quit on our goals. We want to quit on our marriage Pastoring a church is hard. There are times that I want to quit. Raising teenagers is hard. Raising toddlers is hard. Being married is hard. Being single is hard. Being a parent is hard. Having parents is hard. I've come to the conclusion that having a pulse is hard. <laughs> if you have a pulse, life gets hard. And so what we need is we need people who will come around us and encourage us and say, keep going, keep going, who will point us in the right direction, who will come alongside of us and say, your past doesn't have to define your future. We need people to come alongside us and encourage us. One of the things that I'm super excited to be starting this fall at River Ridge here at the Charleston campus is something that's called Divorce Care. And it's a national program, and we're starting it here at River Ridge. Uh, it's going to be on Sunday nights from 5.30 to about 7 o'clock. Uh, Skip and Lisa Lineberg uh, are going to lead that class for us. Uh, it's a video-based class, and they'll lead the discussion. And I encourage you, if, you've, if you're divorced and you're or separated, and you're looking for a place to be encouraged, come and be a part of that. Okay, even if you're dating somebody or marriage might be on your horizon, come and be a part of that. I was talking with Skip and Lisa about a week or so ago, and both of them were divorced from other people and then married to each other as a second marriage. And they said to me, they said, I wish we had had this when we had gotten divorced from our previous spouses because there's so much pain and difficulty, and this would have helped us to walk through that. So I encourage you, if that's you or maybe if you know somebody that would be good for, come encourage them to be a part of divorce care for the encouragement. Then we continue on in verse 11. It says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, again, remember, this is in Israel. It's a journey that's being described here. And a lot of Israel is a desert type of um, uh, desert. uh, What's the word? That's what I'm looking for, desert, environment, no, what's the fancy word they make kids learn in high school, a desert, biome, no, okay, we'll cut that out, okay, it's going to come to me, like, you know, you have, like, deserts, and then you have, like, fields and forests, and they're called terrains, no, okay, we'll get there, can we cut that out of the video, Keith, <laughs> okay, thanks, <laughs> whoo, all right. I just can't go on. <laughs> somebody get on your internet and find that out. Okay. It was cold. Okay, desert. Here we go. We're right back where we started. So anyway, a desert, we think about it being hot during the day, right? But in, at night, it got incredibly, incredibly cold. And so you needed somebody with you to be with you to keep you warm. Here's the point. is The second reason we need people is to comfort and care for us. We need people to comfort and care for us. A few weeks ago, Sam Scott talked about Job, and I actually mentioned it about a week or so ago as well, but Job had just a, terrible things happen in his life with his kids, with his health, with his money, with his everything. People just looked at him differently. Job's life completely fell apart, but there's a part of the book of Job where his three friends come, and they sit with him, and it says, and his friends sat with him for seven days and seven nights they sat with him for seven days and seven nights, and then finally Job spoke. And they, they were just with him, just comforting him, caring for him, not even saying anything. They were just with him. And we need people like that in our lives who will come alongside of us, who will comfort us, who will care for us, who will listen to us, who will speak, who will listen when we're ready. And I tell you, you know, as I think about all the different things involved with Being in relationships, and there's some things I talk about up here that I'm good at, and some things I talk about that I'm not very good at, and and this is one where I struggle. I don't feel like I'm very good at comforting people or caring for people sometimes. But it's also one where I feel like God has helped me to grow in that for over this last year, and just taking the time to make a phone call to say, "How you doing? What's going on? Are you okay?" My son, uh, my friend James, lost his son a year ago Friday to cancer and so i called him on thursday night and i just said hey james how you feeling about tomorrow and we talked for 45 minutes and he probably talked for 43 of those 45 minutes he just needed to talk i just asked a, quest, a few questions and said a few things to maybe encourage him but i think part of what it means to care and part of what it means to comfort people is just to be there just to pick up the phone and say hey how you doing Just to stop by the house and say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are things going with whatever it is that they're going through? We need that in our lives. We need to just be people who show up. Then verse 12 says this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. The imagery here, again, it's two people on a journey. One person is going to get taken out by whatever comes along whether it's a bear or a mountain lion or thieves, robbers, whatever it is, one person can't defend themselves. But the imagery here is two people can defend themselves because they sit or they stand back to back and they each fight off in a, a direction of people. And the fact is that we get attacked all the time in our lives. Sometimes it comes from people. A lot of times it comes from our culture where the culture around us is trying to conform us to be like the culture. Or sometimes the attacks in our lives come from Satan. But as the culture and as Satan attacks us, a big part of that is the lies that come our way. Where the culture around us says, do this, live this way. This is what's going to make you happy, but it's a lie. Or Satan comes to us and says, you're no good Look at what you did. Look at your past. You'll never amount to anything. And and Satan speaks those lies to us. And so what we need is we need people to help defend ourselves against the lies. And so the third part of this is this, is we need people to speak truth to us. People who will speak truth to us. And we're going to talk about all four of these reasons over the course of this message this morning. But this third one, I think this is the biggest one for us. This is the most difficult one for us in terms of um, both giving and receiving. That we tend to be reluctant about speaking truth to somebody else because we're afraid that we're going to come across as judgmental. And we sure don't like hearing truth in our own lives because we want to do what we want to do. You know, when a spouse says, hey, you need to think about this. When a friend says... I don't think that's a good direction to go. When a kid, that's even worse, says to us something like, we don't like to hear truth. But yet, this is how God molds us. This is how God draws us to himself. That the more that we know truth and live truth in our lives, the closer we will be and become to God. But this one, more than all the other ones, also takes time. You know, you may get in a group next week, and this doesn't come immediately. It's not like you get there and you start just hammering away at each other. It takes time for the relationships to build. But when we build those relationships, we get to the point where we give people permission. We say, I want you to speak into my life. If you see something in my life that is out of whack or out of touch with how God wants me to live, I want you to say something to me we give people permission. That's what we want to get to when we talk about living in community with one another. You know, I think about the, going back to the illustration of connecting a modem to a computer. And if you were trying to get connected and you couldn't connect, you couldn't connect, wouldn't you want somebody to come alongside you and say, well, the problem you're not, you can't connect is because it's disconnected at the phone line. Or you don't have the little, you know, button turned on on your phone, or whatever it is, whatever it's keeping you from connecting to the internet, wouldn't you want that? For somebody, "Hey, hey, here's how you can connect at a higher speed. We want that in our own lives to connect with God, people to come alongside us. The passage finishes up at the end of verse 12. It says this. It says, "'A cord of three strands is not quickly broken.'" The third strand is God. The imagery is that two people are intertwined in a relationship in a cord, if you kind of picture a woven cord, and then the third strand that interweaves is God. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. takes us to the fourth reason we need people, is to point us to Christ. To point us to Christ. You know, as as I think about these reasons, The first three really apply to almost any small group environment that you would be a part of. I mean, any any group, any team kind of thing. If you're on a a football team or a soccer team or a dance troupe or a or an orchestra, all three of these are there. We need people to encourage us in our in our instrument, in our ballet, in whatever it is, in our schoolwork. We need comfort and care. We need people to speak the truth to us about what we're not doing right. You can take those three and apply them to almost any group type of situation that we come across. But it's this third one that's unique, that we need people to point us to Christ. And so when we meet together in groups, when we meet together and have this fellowship, this person-to-person interaction, it's more than just encouraging each other. It's more than just comfort and caring for each other. It's more than just speaking truth to each other. It's helping one another get closer to Christ. We exist to help people take next steps on their journey with God. And because of that, no one does life alone. You can't do life alone. You can only get so close to God without other people around you pushing you and encouraging you and challenging you and comforting you and caring for you. And that takes us closer and closer to God. And that's what we want. I want to finish by speaking to two different groups of people. First, for those of you who are not in a group, I encourage you to get in a group, to be a part of a group where you can experience all this, but also where you can pour out into others as well. You know, on a typical Sunday, there's about six, 700 people at River Ridge Church at the Charleston campus. Over the course of a month, people would call River Ridge home. There's probably 11 or 1200 people, and I can't Be this person for everybody. On Sunday mornings, I will encourage you. I will challenge you. I will comfort you. I will speak peace to you. But in a personal way that is you and who you are, I can't be this for every person on the phone and on email and all that. I'll do the best that I can as you reach out. But I can't do it all. But we have some amazing, phenomenal leaders who lead Ridge Groups around River Ridge. And they're great at caring for a group of 6, 8, 10, 12 people. And then we multiply that out. That's where you all come in, is be a part of a rich group because you will get great care there. But also you will have the opportunity to care for other people, to speak truth and life and encouragement into other people's lives in that type of thing, in that type of setting. So sign up for a Ridge Group today. We're going to be starting them next, month, uh, next Sunday evening. We'll start our first round of Ridge Groups. Sign up in the lobby. There's a kiosk there. If you open up your River Ridge app, you can even do it now as I'm finishing up the message. Push the River Ridge app and then find a group. Find a group that works for you. Second group, if you're in a group right now, I would challenge you with these same four questions in a personal way and in a group way. First, in a personal way, ask yourself, do you encourage the other people in your small group? Second is, do you comfort and care for people in your small group? Third, do you speak truth to people in your small group? And have you given other people the permission to speak truth to you? And do you point one another towards Christ? And this could be a River Ridge group. This could be a Young Life Campaigners group. This could be a a Bible study group at, at college or a group that you have at your work or wherever. Take these questions and ask them about whatever group you're in. Are we living these things out? And if you're not, do your part, whether you're the leader or not, to say, let's do these things as a group. Let's encourage each other. Let's care for each other. Let's speak truth to one another. Let's point one another towards Christ. And we do those things together. I want to close uh, with a story about my son, Will. Will just turned 16 last week. He's pretty sure he's going to get his license on Tuesday, so I'd encourage you to stay off the roads maybe till Friday. Um, but when he was little, when he was a toddler, he never wanted help from anybody. You know, there'd be a stool, he'd want to climb on the stool, and he'd try and get up, and I'd boost him up, and he wouldn't let me. And, and he would have, like, he'd try to put on a shirt by himself, and he'd stick his head through the armhole, and he couldn't get it on, he'd be so frustrated. Or he'd try and get up on a couch when he was really little, and he couldn't get up there. And he had this phrase that he would say, whenever I'd try and help him, he'd push me away and say, no, do it my own self. Do it my own self. You know, and so he's there trying to, you know, cut his meat, and I step over and I'm trying to cut me and go, no, do it my own self. It was very cute. But the fact is, he couldn't do a lot of those things on his own. He needed my help or Stacy's help as his parent. And the same is true for us that God wants great things from you and with you and for you, but we can't do them on our own. We need other people to come alongside of us and encourage us and challenge us and help us get us, get us to where God wants us to be. You can't do it your own self. You need people around you to help you get to where God wants you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to look into your word and to see that we need people in our lives. God, would you bring those people? Would you give folks here the the courage to get in a group and to be an encourager and to be encouraged? God, help us to be where you want us to be because most of all in our lives, we want to be close and as closely connected with you as we can.